are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. Well, hell. <laughs> I blame myself. Actually, I blame you. And I blame me. I blame us. For did, being did so... Did we fly too close to the sun? Is that what happened? positive. <laughs> for singing praises. For... I, I, if I recall correctly, last episode you said something along the lines of if you're a sports fan in Los Angeles, get your shit together and watch the Kings. And if you are a sports fan in Los Angeles and you started watching the Kings <laughs> at the moment <laughs> that we asked you to consider this a public apology because things have kind of gone to shit. How are you tonight, Vardy? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm here. I'm here. Not feeling great. That it, it just zaps the energy out of me. Quite honestly, I'm probably entirely too committed to this team and and how they make me feel from one day to the next. But these last few games have hurt. I I I, I almost like completely disregard the win against Vancouver. And the win against Seattle, which happens to be the only time we've beaten Seattle this year. Um, but yeah, it's just those Edmonton games and, and this one against Vegas just uh, really, really bum me out, if I'm, if I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah, it's a bummer. Uh, and, you know, it's not, let's be real here, the sky isn't falling per se right now it's not like the kings are dropping out of the playoffs i guess they could drop into a wild card spot i guess that's not totally out of the question even though that would require some serious serious falling but yeah i mean kings lose two to the oilers one to the flames lose to the knights wins as you mentioned uh against vancouver and seattle on the road it's a lot of games. It's a, it's lot, a lot of games, a lot in, a of games in a short period of time. It is, and certainly I think everyone who covers this team, follows this team, has said this sentence in this last week, the sentence being, I don't want to make excuses, but right. this team has played a lot of games, and it's every other day. There is no, there isn't, hasn't even been a two-in-between break, and there isn't going to be one from everything I've seen until the last game of the season. I think... They play Vancouver on the 10th, and then they play the Ducks on the 13th, and there's a break there, which is Mm -hmm. nice, I guess. And then I think they get another – because I think the last game of the actual NHL regular season is the 15th for all teams. Yes, I think you're right about that. So there's some rest coming before the playoffs, which is good considering players are dropping like flies. But yeah, it's this Vegas loss, which we're recording right after the Vegas loss, I think is like a culmination. It's death by a thousand cuts. And then this one was just like crumpling because of a thousand cuts. Heavy games against Edmonton, man. Like real heavy lift games against those guys. Missing key players, obviously. 
ditto for the Calgary game. That was a heavy lift game for this team. Even Vancouver and Seattle were heavy lift games. Mm-hmm. To a lesser degree, certainly a little bit more room, a little bit, right? But still a lot of work to do to get open ice, a lot of work to do on the checking side. Um, so it's been hard games for this team. And I think, like I said, culminated in this game against Vegas where they just looked so tired right out of the gate, like a deflating reversal of a goal. And then after that, it just all went to hell. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't really sum that up any better. It, you know, sometimes you watch these games and, um, you physically sense the lack of space yourself, right? Like you're watching, you're watching them trying to skate through the neutral zone. The, the, the passes aren't connecting. They can't seem to generate anything consistently. You kind of feel yourself just getting frustrated watching them play. And I can't imagine how much more frustrating it is to play in those actual games and then to do it like in multiple cities with travel three, four times in a row where you're just getting beat and beat and beat. And it's it weighs on you and it especially weighs on you when you're missing key guys the way that the Kings are right now um, in the stretch. Now, this is... Again, this is all coming in within the context of, hey, they just had another 100-point season. Playoff spot is locked up. We just talked about how the most important thing on the prior episode was was getting healthy. And at the time, I think we were only missing, only missing Fiala and Velarde. And since then, obviously, Anderson out now with what seems some sort of head injury indefinitely. It's a concussion. It's a concussion. Fine. And Edler out with an unspecified injury. Um, It adds up. And I know the mantra has been from McClellan and probably from every other team is next guy up, next guy up, you know, but (laughs) when the next guy is not as good as the guy who went down at some point, you're going to, you're going to lose that quality of your play. And I think it's evident in these really tight games when there's no space and you're looking for for someone to get something going, for someone to be able to break through, for someone to make a slightly impressive, unexpected play to kind of generate something when you're missing probably the two most creative players on the team in Fiala and Velarde, it's hard. It's really hard. I, I felt consistently that, especially in the Oilers games, you know, even though they, they succeeded in containing McDavid and Dreisaitl and containing the team uh, both times to less than two, uh, you know, non-empty net goals, so to speak, which is which is not a easy thing to do with that team, but it came at the cost of basically – Kopitar and Deneau's line going full shutdown mode with little care to to really trying to cheat a little, create a little offense because that's you just don't feel like you can do that safely against the Oilers. I mean, they will they will turn around and they will ram it down your throat every time. So in that type of game environment, when you've got your top two lines trying to contain the Oilers' top six, 
you know, that's that's when you're hoping that your third line, so to speak, with guys like Fiala and Velarde on there can win a matchup against who they're playing against and can be accountable for the offense that the other two lines can't seem to generate. You know, you, you open up the game a little bit that way, not to mention the, the special teams play and how it's, you know, gone to nothing without them around. So it's hard, man. It's hard to watch these games. It's hard for me to to not be able to attribute the recent run of, of you know, lackluster offensive hockey. How can you not? You know, how can you not? No, uh, man, I don't know what to add to that, especially specifically the Oilers matchups. Uh, yeah, which I are mean, important because that's that's going to be the playoff matchup. Most likely that most is likely playoff at matchup. this point. Yeah. yeah, especially with today's result. I think yeah. it's it's becoming more and more likely that that's going to be the matchup. And yeah, like you said, when the, the Oilers are content playing the Kings game, it's obvious now. Um, playing a who makes the first mistake game. And when you're in a game like that against Edmonton and you make a mistake, their guys are far more likely to make you pay than the Kings guys, especially as you mentioned, when your third line or your bottom six can't really contribute offensively in a, in a favorable matchup situation. I mean, and I credit to the Oilers, man. I'm really impressed with them. You know, I know, you know, we hate them and whatnot. <laughs> and we're supposed to like, I don't know. But like, I'm so impressed with Edmonton and the way they're willing to to change the way they play. Um, and I was reading an article, I, I forget, I, I think it was Mark Spector, who I'm not a fan of, but um, he wrote an article saying something to the effect of the way the Oilers are playing now is thanks to the Kings. In more or less words, it's like, it took the Kings to kind of bring this this out of them. I think he means from last season? From last from... season, and I think kind of the way the Kings handled them in the first two games of this season oh, as see. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And understanding that this is probably, we're going to see each other in the playoffs again. Right. Um, and not that that's supposed to, like, appease anybody, you know, sure. or make anyone feel better, but credit to them, man. I think Jay Woodcroft, who has probably the most smug, punchable face in all of coaching, <laughs> he's made good adjustments to play the Kings. And and I don't know. I mean, we talked about how we don't want to play the Oilers, but, at, you know, when you look at the injuries and you look at this roster without Anderson, without Fiala, without Velarde, I don't, I don't look at any matchup and I get all excited to tell you the truth outside of maybe a couple of wild card teams, which the Kings are not going to face at this point. They're not going to win the division. So you're looking yeah. at either Vegas or Edmonton yeah. at this point. And that's just, man, <laughs> unless the Kings are healthy and start clicking again, that does not sound fun. And I tweeted this out, but if, if the form that a team is in is any indication of how they're going to perform in the playoffs, then the Kings might be in trouble because the old adage is like, get hot. You know, if you're going hot into the playoffs, your seating doesn't really matter. You know, if, if you're in a flow, you could really beat anyone. And the reverse is happening right now for the Kings. It seems like they peaked 
right before they should have, I guess. I don't know if that's even the right terminology. But I mean, it, it, and some of it again is not in their hands, right? I right, mean, some right. of that is. is they also very... had a soft schedule. Let's be honest. Like, of course they did. Of course they did. But you could have a soft schedule and lose, which they've done sure. throughout the year. You know, credit to them that they had a soft schedule and they they beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. That's what you're always hoping that they'll do. So that when it comes to these teams that you're supposed to be a more even matchup with, and they're supposed to be the teams that you're going to have to get through in the playoffs, i.e. the Oilers, the Knights, that you can perform. And it's it's a shame. It really is a shame. That's kind of how I look at it, because now you're looking at an iteration of the Kings that's very, very similar to the iteration that fo- that faced the Oilers last year in the playoffs. But the Oilers have elevated their game, not only with the players that were on the roster from from last year that have carried over, but with the players that they have brought in, in Ekholm and Bukestad. And it's all kind of working very well for them right now, where they've got this balance of just nasty speed and skill in the top six. And then the bottom six and a couple of their guys on their defense are heavy, you know, nasty players they'll get in your face they'll make you physically pay for what you're trying to do and not leave you really any space to kind of generate the offense which is why you've seen them play as well as they have post trade deadline i mean i was looking back at their not just obviously against the kings but like teams that they've beaten you know they had a couple letdown games against vegas but they beat in vegas i believe once they beat boston like they have beat quality opponents and Stuart Skinner's coming on at the right time, clearly played well against the Kings both times that they faced him. It, it's just, it feels just so disappointing from the standpoint of a fan that unless we get some sort of miraculous updates here on these guys who by all accounts aren't even on the ice, like they're, they're not even anywhere in the stratosphere of showing up and, and taking some skates. And now we're what, less than 10 days away from the from the start of the playoffs. It's just really disappointing that this entire season can kind of fall apart like this in the last couple of weeks, and you're going to be limping into the playoffs against a team that knows that they can beat you, that just beat you twice in less than a month, you know? I don't know how you got over that. I don't know how you mentally, as a team and as a coach, how do you get your team over that that hurdle? I don't think you can. I just don't think you could survive those three injuries. It's just that's the nature of the beast. Mike, Mikey Anderson is your top pairing defenseman. And with him out, you have to move Gavrikov up. And now you're going to have to run Sean Dersey and Matt Roy as your second pairing. And, and that top four that was shutting down every team that was walking into Staples Center for that 12, 13 game stretch is now completely gone. And I don't think Gavrikov has looked comfortable mm-hmm. next to Dowdy. I don't think Sean Dersey's looked comfortable, even though that pairing has done okay throughout the course of the season. Uh, Dersey Roy, I mean, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's just a trickle down effect on your roster. And then on the offensive side, yeah, it's just hard to, you know, if your top line goes cold, 
it's just way too hard right now to generate anything offensively. And without any game breakers in the lineup with respect to Arvidsson, with respect to Kempe, Kempe a very streaky player historically, and he seems to be on a downswing right now, uh, or a cold streak, I guess. Uh, Arvidsson in physical games has not fared well against Calgary, against Edmonton. They were targeting him, and the slightest push uh, pushback from Edmonton resulted in him being neutralized pretty well, I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the Oilers have the recipe right now against the Kings. And unless those guys can can come back, I, I have hopes for Fiala. Um, right, just because he he's, he's came back. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's given it a go a couple of times. Uh, that's more of an indication of someone that felt he could play that probably the medical staff felt could play, uh, but it was just not comfortable enough. And it just, I feel like that one's more precautionary than anything. Uh, but still, I think Mikey Anderson is going to be a big blow. I think Velarde obviously would be a big blow, especially with the power play running a little bit cold right now. So, yeah, just don't know how you can overcome that. I don't know. I don't can't think of any coach speech, coach talk can can that can fool a player or make a player into believing that they can overcome an obstacle like that. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's that's what I keep coming back to. It's just um someone had tweeted at us, you know, it's just it's so unfortunate that we're not going to be able to see the matchup that I think would have made for a good matchup. And I'm not saying that the Kings would have won necessarily with, with how the Oilers look like they're playing now, but I think they had a, a, a true chance with a healthy sure. Fiala, healthy Anderson, healthy Velarde. I mean, those are, those are the key improvements that they have made from last year to this year. And maybe standings wise, it's only going to account for, you know, five or six extra standing points when all is said and done. Um, but it's just the approach to the game, the, the the flow of the game is significantly different with Fiala in there and significantly different with this year's version of Gabe Velarde versus last year's. Um, it just opens up space. It allows the other lines to do what they... I mean, it, it's no coincidence in my mind that basically since those guys went down... Your first line, which had been doing quite well with Byfield, uh, Kopitar, and Kempe, they can't do anything now either because that's that's the line you have to target. Deneau's line, Deneau hasn't scored a point in I don't know how long. You know, it's it. Arvidsson got a goal the other night, and it was just the most random shot on net that kind of went in. Like in terms of sustained pressure, you know, like Trevor Moore. God bless him. He's trying, but it's it's too easy is all I'm saying. It's too easy for the other team to scheme against who they need to kind of focus on now when the guys that they scheme on are very content to kind of stick to the periphery and and the ones who want to cut into the middle and create opportunity like Arvidsson, they're just getting body slammed every chance they get, you know? So then you're stuck hoping that, oh, maybe Kupari will do something tonight. Maybe this is the night that, you know, Artie Kaliev gets a couple in like he did against, um, I forget now if it was Seattle or whoever, but like he had a good game in there somewhere. Seattle. 
Yeah. Or so, Vancouver, Vancouver. Vancouver, sorry. And then on top of it all, on top of it all, and I don't want to leave too much, you know, on this, but Corpus Allo looked so shaky tonight. Yeah, he did not. His worst game <laughs> by by far. Right. By and far. Not, not that I'm saying that they would have, you know, every single member of the team to a man in that first period looked like absolute dog shit, but he just did not look good at all. At no. all. First first goal, Kessel's goal looked very soft and just just being solid paddle down and taking away the bottom, uncharacteristic. Didn't like the Stevenson goal, even though Jersey and Roy went. I don't even know what they did. That was baffling, a baffling decision for two guys to converge on one and ram him into the goal. Like, I don't and even know stick him. how to <laughs> explain then... that. <laughs> I don't and even then Roy know. Roy just egregiously high sticked him too in that process. Like they were going to call a penalty on him, and they waved it off because they because Vegas ended up scoring on the delayed right. penalty. Like I had to watch. Like I watched the replay so many times, and I was just like, "What does one think in this? <laughs> like to just abandon the most dangerous player on the ice, and still not a great goal by Corpusalo to just." not have your paddle down and again in any way and just let it go i didn't you know the marcia so goal goal also a horrible turnover by campe um but still i i felt like he was off his angle listen defensive errors turnovers today were bad i'll i'll excuse the guy who hadn't allowed more than two goals in nine starts um on this one uh but it just I don't know. To me, all it does is just raise more questions. And now we have to hear about, well, well, I don't know, you know, like maybe it's Phoenix Copley, maybe it's Corpus Allo. Right. That part of it is also why tonight was such a downer. Yeah. And again, they haven't had a real stinky game like that since maybe the Buffalo game in December. Um, so I'll, I'll take that and I it's just it's like you said it you know you're hoping for a little bit better effort you're hoping for something to indicate to you that despite all the adversity that they're dealing with right now that they're gonna that they're gonna overcome that there's signs of life that this team's not just gonna kind of fold but I I can't help but put myself in in that position and Nowhere am I comparing the same thing, but having played for as long as we have, and you have a setup where you know you're going against a superior roster and you're missing some key guys on your team, you can't help but go into that game going, we're probably going to lose. You don't want to admit it, but like you have it in the back of your head that you're probably going to lose. Yeah, it's not even that. It's just, I don't want to play this game. That's more, I think... You know what I mean? Like, it's not so much that you're going in thinking we're going to lose this game. It's just like, it's just too damn hard. It's just going to be too damn hard to win this game. Yeah, yeah. And so you're hoping that, like, you come out in the first few shifts or, you know, kind of exceed your expectations. And, oh, maybe maybe we are going to get something going. And you get an early goal and you get excited. But, and I think that's kind of what happened tonight in Vegas, right? Like, they got that first leaky goal um, on Brassad and, and they thought, oh, maybe maybe this isn't going to well, go. And then that's the thing. Like you playing with the lead for this team is so important. Yeah, like, that's yeah. yeah. 
I don't know. Yeah. Um, would love to see some adjustments, coach. <laughs> well, he know, tried. I, I mean, Kaliev went up to the sure, top Sure, but line. it was 5 nothing, um when that happened. Yeah. It was 5 nothing when the goalie change happened. Yep. The game was well out of reach. I mean, I think by 3 4 nothing, you could tell that this wasn't happening, you know, tonight. So, I don't know. It's easy for us to... to make those calls from where we're sitting. But at the same time, what I want to see is you saw if, if you're a coach and you saw how, what Edmonton did their game plan, I'm not going to say it was obvious, but it was pretty clear, right? Like for I mean, where if it I, wasn't in the first game, watching, it certainly yeah, was in the second. It was pretty clear. Like I just want to see an NHL coach make some kind of adjustment to that because yeah. if you don't, nothing's going to change. It's very obvious. It's going to be a tight game. They're going to play very physical. I don't know what you could do about that. You have the roster you have. I understand. But playing that mistake game against Edmonton is not going to work. And I'm not even completely sure it would work with a healthy roster, if I'm being completely honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, counterpunching them is is difficult. This is very, very difficult. Because you're playing against two of the top three players in the world. Like, even if you're not necessarily making an obvious mistake, they'll exploit it. You know, they'll they'll turn that minor error that otherwise wouldn't be a big deal into a scoring opportunity pretty readily. It's tough, man. It's tough. I'm trying to think of, like, something, something positive I can speak on, something I can kind of, like, you know, the only thing I keep coming back to is that at least the last two games are against Vancouver and Anaheim and maybe give you a little bit of momentum to end the season. Cause I certainly don't think they're going to, they're going to look good against Colorado. Colorado's no. one ten straight in. They're also fighting for first. <laughs> right. Um, and, and that's a, a healthy, tight. Yeah. They got a healthy McKinnon who's just, <laughs> it's, it's going to be ugly on Saturday. I, you can't help but feel that way. Yeah. I will say like, the first Edmonton game, if I'm looking for positives, they got plenty of chances. They outshot the Oilers 43-37. The 37, obviously, we don't like. Stuart Skinner truly did play the game of his life. Um, and I would feel a lot better about that if he didn't just turn around and do it again a couple of nights later. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, once could be a fluke, but twice... You're you're not approaching it the right way. Like you're not doing right, something like, right against like this twice. Guy. It's like now we got a pattern. Yeah, but I mean, even of the forty three shots, there were high quality looks, breakaways, right? Like just the guy made the saves. So right. that's that's the positive I would take away from that. Less so in the second game, I felt. The second game, I felt the Oilers limited chances much better. The Kings didn't have a whole lot going on uh, for extended periods of time. A lot of one and done going on. That's mm-hmm. something you don't want to see. My main concern is just the body language of the team just doesn't look good. And you you can understand that fatigue, losing four out of six, um, knowing that you're banged up. Yeah, I don't know. So let's take a look at not just the schedule, but scenarios for seeding here is something I'm interested in looking at. Okay. So Edmonton is three points behind Vegas 
same number of games. Everyone's played 79 in the top mm-hmm. three. Mm-hmm. Vegas, I think, has the toughest schedule. If I'm not mistaken, let me pull that up. Vegas is going to have to play Dallas and then Seattle twice on a home-and-home. Home. Yep. Um. So that's... Whereas Edmonton gets the Sharks twice and the Avalanche once. Right. Um, my brain is too fried to do this math right now, but uh, if Edmonton wins out. Yeah, then they would get six points. They put them at 109 and uh, 50 wins. So if Vegas wins two out of the next three games, they would clinch the division. They would clinch the division, right. Yeah. But if they lose two. Then. And Edmonton wins out. Yeah. Yeah. Edmonton wins the division and the Kings play Vegas most likely. Correct. Correct. Let's look at Seattle's schedule because that's still a thing. Yeah. So Seattle's got, I think, four games left. And this is where it gets. So this is where it's interesting, right? Because the last two games are home and home against Vegas. Right. Their next two are against um, Arizona and Chicago. Assume for the sake of statistics that they win both of those games mm-hmm. and they would be at a hundred points. So I, I think the Kings still have the inside track for the three seed because they, they do have those games against Vancouver and, 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 uh, and Anaheim mm-hmm. right in there. So even if you assume they lose against Arizona, fair chance they can beat Anaheim. <laughs> God, I hope they beat, I mean, that'd be embarrassing if you don't beat Anaheim, but um. Yeah, Seattle would have to win three out of the next four, and have LA lose all of their games. So I think it's 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 the most likely setup is the current setup, which is Vegas, Seattle, us versus Edmonton, which really sucks. Also, from a travel standpoint, I mean that matters sure like it's us going from la to vegas <laughs> would yeah. be pretty decent going from la to edmonton man that's a slog and then yeah. again not being on home ice i mean that that last change is funny Against i was watching that team. yeah yeah i was watching this is so funny to me i was and obviously not that he's listens to this but no disrespect to ray ferraro but like you had to watch that Edmonton broadcast on, on ESPN. And they were just trying to like, talk about like, well, what does that mean to be playing on the road, et cetera. And Ray was like, well, it doesn't mean much anymore. Like the road setups are so nice these days and the hotels are good and it's not, you know, the visitor locker room isn't garbage. Like they used to be. And he kept talking about like this whole environment about like traveling and playing, but just totally not mentioning the most (laughs) important thing, which is, you don't get the last change. Right. Don't, like it's the most important thing about being the home team is that you get the last change. And if you're Edmonton and you're playing McDavid and Dreisaitl 23 minutes a night and you can pick who you deploy them out there against, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how luxurious your hotel and how comfortable your visitor locker room is, you know? Right. It's just so annoying. Yeah, if uh, Alex Edler ices the puck. <laughs> yes. No one's going to be talking about 
how nice their shower head was. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you, guys, <laughs> you guys feel that water pressure? Really got like, really got the crevices with that one. Did you guys get a free loofah? Just me? <laughs> I stole my towels. I don't know about you guys, but those are... <laughs> took those my, slippers, huh? Took my robe. How about those slippers? Let's, let's come to Edmonton all Take the time. Get that back. God. No, but of course. Um, so, yeah, most likely center, even if the Kings drop out of the, of the top three, you're still looking at, well, then you might cross over, and that's a whole other. No way, man, because the, the wild card teams are, I think they're, well, I guess now you're going to make me look, but. Yes, I am. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're you're saying you might cross over if Colorado surpasses Vegas and all. Right. But, oh, I don't, I but that's. Yeah, it's it gets a little weird. I think. Uh... I'm going to say something <laughs> crazy. You'd rather play Colorado? <laughs> I, I think I'd rather play Colorado than Edmonton. Is that a wild I, statement? I, that's, that's, I don't, you know, it's like saying. Yeah, of I'd course, rather, it's pick your poison at that point. And they're all, they're, you're going to, I'd rather have this deadly viper bite me over yes. this, over this deadly rattlesnake bite me. <laughs> I think my, I think the reason I say that is because. I feel like Colorado just won the cup and I feel like they would be much looser in the first round. Whereas I think Edmonton is kind of on a mission here a little bit, the way they're playing right now. I think there'll be more open ice against Colorado. That's what I, I think that's what it comes down to. Although uh, I does not sound fun to play that team in any way. Uh, I would love to shoot on Korgiev, you know, that sounds okay. Um, either way, I think at this point, get healthy. I think that's the number one thing. I don't even know if that's a possibility anymore, but another reason is I just don't think Colorado plays as physical. The physicality, man, of Edmonton Mm -hmm. and and Calgary Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was just, it looked so bad. The Kings are a small team and it's just painfully obvious now. Yeah. Just how badly they were being out muscled bullied i mean bl- well, it's, a good thing we got, it's a good thing we got McEwen now right yep yeah it's <laughs> great he's not uh has a whole other thing no I'm, I'm, it's not even worth talking about no nope. i i expended enough energy on, on twitter <laughs> you sure you don't want to debate whether I, that was a five minute major or not it was a five I don't yeah, care who's. It was a five, guys. It was a five in almost any era. Yeah. Any ref calls that a five. Yeah. Let's be real. Come on. Yeah. Anyway, um, this is probably going to be our last regular season episode, right? You figure? I think so. I think we'll do a, a right before the playoffs. We'll probably do a preview type thing. Yeah. See who our opponent is. Yeah. Really um, dissect Edmonton down even further. Yeah. And see um, if we're healthy. <laughs> probably do a little prediction. Mm-hmm. So some of the end of season award stuff seem pretty easily predictable. Don't think it's going to be hard. No. Um, McDavid, McDavid, McDavid. Yep. That seems pretty standard. Uh, the Norris Carlson. is Carlson. Probably See, Carlson, right? 
Yeah, maybe. But there's some interesting names. Like, remember, I, I think I texted you the other day. I was like, did you know Brandon Montour has 70 points now? Yeah, yeah, you did text me that. That's, that's wild. And then you got, uh, you got uh, uh, Josh Morrissey doing really well. Adam Fox having another great year. I think Carlson definitely has the points, but I think the he, voters he really take into story. account. He also has the story. It's fair. It's fair. But, but, but it is strange to give the Norris to a guy whose team couldn't defend as a team. <laughs> like, worth the shit. Yeah, I mean, he's he's going to have a – he's at 98 points. Which I is, know. It's, 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 it's crazy. It's nuts. He's, how old is he now? 35? 34? He made a play Sounds today right. that was just ridiculous. He just danced around the zone and found a guy like wide open at the side of the net and acted like it was one of those passes that he made and he like turned and skated away to the center ice before the goal was even in because he just <laughs> knew that it was just like, ah, ah, and there, I mean, it's, it's, it's his best season by, man, by 14 points already of his, <laughs> of his career. Wow. That's crazy. His career high is 82 in 2015-16, which is like prime era, right? Yeah. And he had a ton of injuries, you know, hadn't played more than 56 games in the last four seasons. And I think you got to give it to him, man. I, I wouldn't be upset about it. I guess if he hits 100 saying. points, you have to give it you to him. To. You You'd have like, to. You have to. Like, come on I, now. That's fine. You, you have, have to. to. But it's, uh, yeah. but it's, it's a little bit kind of what I was complaining about last time about the the McDavid effect a little bit in the same category where yeah. you look at some of these names, man. You got one, you got five defensemen who are already at 70 points and Rasmus Dahlin and Miro Hiskinen are like right there. Right. Kale McCarr's got 66 and I don't think he's played a full year. No, I mean, not even close. He's yeah, missed like a he's, lot of time. Yeah. Let me, let me see how many he's got. 60 games and he's got 66 yeah. points like he would have been right up there too you know so it's the it's a pretty pretty impressive year for defensive scoring as well yeah so um interesting to I, see i think linus allmark has the vesna all wrapped up i mean and then by that same regard you would think that jim montgomery's gotta have the he's gotta have the yeah jack adams yeah um but the, 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 what else and then calder maybe veneers I mean that was my prediction. I'm, I'm I guess I'm happy that I'm right about that. Um, unless there's like a, a goalie or someone I'm not thinking of that might be. <laughs> is there a late Stuart Skinner push? I think he's still a rookie. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. He is. He is. It's not gonna. But I think I think it's Matty Beniers to lose. Yeah, it's quite his. frankly. So. What else yeah. we got? Any other awards? Uh. Uh, nothing I can really think of, like the Masterton and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm not going to get into the Mark Messier yeah. Leadership Selkie. Award. How about the Selkie? Who do you think wins the Selkie? I feel like they're just going to give it to Bergeron because they don't know anything else, right? It's hard not to, right? I mean, for, for how well that mm -hmm. team is doing and the defensive, you know, just shut down kind of play that they have. Um, but uh, Kopitar is outscoring him this year, I believe. Let's see. I'll take a look. Um, I know that there had been, was it a backland push that I'd kind of been seeing? I forget now. Oh, yeah. Kopitar is uh, outscoring him by 12 points. Mm -hmm. um, 
but the t- like you said, the team's doing so well. Right. That it's just, I feel like it's a reflex at this point. Just give it to Bergeron. Yeah. Yeah, there's, it is interesting. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting year. I mean, I don't, I think we might be approaching the point where maybe this is the last time for Bergeron. Yeah. Only because the numbers are kind of falling off a little bit, not because the team's not successful, but he's also he was also in that O three draft, so he's right. He's thirty six, something like that. I mean, he's he's up there, man. But he's uh, got to be th- he's got to be thirty eight, right? Brownies. Maybe. Yeah, because Brownie was like, "I'm done with this. I'm I'm out of yeah. here." Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, he's almost thirty eight. He'll be thirty eight yep. in July. Yeah. If go. they win the cup, I think he rides off into the sunset. That's it. a good way to go. That's it. I mean, <laughs> it's the best way to go. I would argue. Yeah, but I mean, man, he's still sixty-three points in sixty-nine yeah, games he plus twenty-five. A... Come on, come on. This is. It's... Wait for Bergeron. Yeah, I'm looking at the. Oh it's my bad! I was looking no, at Marshawn. Yeah. I was looking at Marshawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Wrong guy. One and the same. One and the same in my mind. <laughs> Wrong guy. 57 and 60 in our 57 and 74 which yeah. is still pretty good still pretty good for a guy who's primarily a defensive player yeah how many selkies has he at one two three four five times selkie award winner amazing amazing the it's kind of weird right like there's guys who come around who who just win that award for like five, six years. And you just know, there's no way unless they get injured that you're ever going to take like the list Romero <laughs> like, of the Norris. Yeah. Like, uh, who won the Selkie forever? Dotsuk. Didn't he win it? Like Dotsuk won it like three years in a row. And then, yeah. Um, wasn't, it was going way back, but wasn't Bob Ganey. Like Bob Ganey was Mr. Selkie <laughs> for like the longest time. The, the Guy Carbono and them. This there was when the, this is when your points didn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Yuri Letnin was winning. I mean, you know. who ruined that? I wonder. I think it was Fedorov, right? Like Fedorov. Prob- like, man, like, there you go. There's a freaking player right there. Like man. we ain't doing that. Yeah. Anymore. Uh, Bob Ganey three times the Selkie. Yep. Yeah. Datsuk three years in a row. It's kind of crazy that Taves only has one. For as much as like you've heard about his defensive prowess, is he just had the one year in there in between Bergeron winning, <laughs> winning four out of three. Three, yeah. four out, three out of four. Did uh did Barkov get one? He did in twenty one. Good, good. And then Bergeron got it again last year. He's just waiting could, for all these old guys to go away. So basically, could, so basically, he could win a couple. Yeah, because he's been in. I feel like he's been in top five voting a lot. He just yeah. hasn't. He's just had to deal with the Kopitars and Bergerons and all these guys. Yeah. Wow, that that's interesting. <laughs> So who do you think amongst forwards in the league has the highest plus minus? It's got to be someone on Boston. Just no. The, on, but, no? But, the, but the top um, three out of the top four players in the league are on Boston, but they're all defensemen. So Brandon Carlo, Hampus Lindholm, and Matt Graylick are all plus 40, plus 46, and plus 47. But who is the highest plus minus forward in the league right now? So forward, mm-hmm. and has played in every single game. I don't know. Tomas Tatar. 
<laughs> that's that's why I don't know. Plus forty. He's got wow. forty four points in seventy nine games, and he's a plus forty. What Talk does he play for? <laughs> New Jersey. There you go, Devils. Right. He's he's only got four power play points. Every other point that he scored has been has been even strength. Wow. Yeah, pretty impressive. And Good then, for him. Yeah, and then you got like Pavelski with plus thirty nine. Jason Robertson plus thirty four. Joe Pavelski. Ageless wonder man. What does he have? Like seventy something points. Seventy five and seventy eight. Good lord. Nico Heischer. There's another name. I've heard some push for Nico Heischer to start getting consideration. He's he will. I'm sure he 77 will. Seventy seven points in seventy eight games plus thirty three. There you go. He'll 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 be around. Yep. He'll be around. Yep. All right. All right. I guess this is a shorter one for our standards, but yeah. If you didn't hear no, us, by the okay. way, on on all the King's men, we were there last week talking with with Jesse. So you know, some little little tidbits in between last episode and this episode. That's right. Yeah, delivering the content. Look at us. Look at us go. Don't get sick Look. of us. <laughs> Y'all come back now. You hear? That's right. Anyway, uh, well, we will be back before the playoffs, so that'll be another short turnaround time for us. Yeah. Ramping things up as we promised, delivering. <laughs> Episode 97. Oh, shit. <laughs> the one and only. Has there only been one? I believe so, man. It's got to be, right? Yep. Jeremy Roenick. That's the one. I'll tell you. Dancing Jay. I was amped. I think, I think a lot of us were. <laughs> that was a trade, if I remember correctly, right? Yes, yes, because he was only around for a couple of years. I think he played out his contract. One season. Oh, was it just one? It, it was felt one like season. so much longer. One season, my friend. Um, oh, man. I bought a Ronick jersey. Oof. And yeah, I did it. Uh, upon but you were you were at a point where like you were buying, you know, I was NHL into jerseys. Legends. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well. A legend just came to the Kings. Cool number. Got to get it. Very glittery. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had it signed by JR uh, at a practice. Mm-hmm. I remember I had a brief exchange with him uh, where I told him <laughs> this was toward the end of the season where he had, he, he had already like solidified his nine goals or whatever the hell he had that season. Right. And I, uh, as he was signing my jersey, I said, yeah, you know, I hope you come back next season. I did not mean it, but I said it to be nice. And he said, oh, I'll be back, just not here. So I was like, <laughs> I, was like I was like, I appreciate it, Jeremy. So the trade was uh, Ronick and a third round pick in 2006 uh, for future consideration. <laughs> oh, my. Flyers didn't even try on that one. No, not at it's all. It's almost it like a, they knew he was out of shape. It was a pure salary dump. Did I ever tell you my Jeremy Ronick is, is a story? No. I would love to hear it. All right. This is a good finish. So um, without getting into like patient confidentiality or whatever, I was uh, I was seeing a patient in the hospital down here in San Diego one day and um, and I'm in there and I'm talking to her and everything and uh, and all of a sudden she's like, oh, and, and here comes like some visitors for me and in walks Jeremy Roenick. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And I'm clearly a big hockey fan, and I'm like, 
and I'm just dumbfounded looking at him. And he's like, Hey, how's it going? I'm Jeremy. I'm like, I know who you are. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he's like, Oh yeah. I'm like, I'm a big hockey fan. He goes, ah, okay. So then, you know, whatever, everything yeah. was fine. Then family member or friend or whoever she was to him was fine and was was you know going home shortly afterwards i never even really figured out what the what the relationship really they probably told me and i was just sitting there like hearing womp, 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 <laughs> right, sure. looking at jeremy Roenick in front of me so uh so i go back to the nurse's station and i'm like i'm writing my note and i'm trying to like pull it together be professional you know don't don't you know don't go blabbing around everyone holy shit you know you know who that was in there or whatever whatever and all of a sudden, as I'm writing, he comes around. I feel his hand on my shoulder, like this big yeah. hand on my right shoulder. And I look and it's him. And for whatever reason, he's just got like a cake. <laughs> he's just a, he's a cake. And I'm at the nurse's station and he's like, do you guys want any of this cake? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, JR, I'm sure the nurses would love to have that. <laughs> And so, and so JR gave the nurses cake at my hospital. <laughs> just walking around. <laughs> so I always have a cake on deck, don't you? <laughs> the man's got cake ready. I don't know. I didn't know what the context was. That's great. Uh, yeah. I, speaking of context, I think for anyone who's listening, Vardy's a cardiologist, <laughs> just so you guys know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so just give but this was, this was This was like years ago. This was, this was like, I think it was in residency and, you know, so... Anyway, but it was it was just super funny. It was just a hilarious, like <laughs> most random encounter yeah. I can possibly think of, you know. Yeah, tweet all your uh King's injury questions to Vardy. Yeah, and I, I won't be able to answer them. But uh also don't tweet me things like it hurts underneath here. What do you think that could be? <laughs> yeah, I only I do that. Yeah. Please. Yeah. I guess it's the right. I guess it's fitting that it's the Jeremy Ronick episode. For many I don't know, cake, um pessimism. <laughs> the highest of highs, the lowest of lows, sure. perhaps. We'll, we'll find a way what to make it. Was the highest fit. of highs? Was the dancing the highest of highs? Was that peak Ronick? Well, I think it was just the idea, like the idea that like here comes this legend and you know so maybe not he's not totally done. I think it was just the him as a person and actually Pete Gronick was game one of that season. I don't know if you remember this, but he, it was King stars and he scored two goals. And mm -hmm. I remember thinking like, Holy shit, here we go. Like this mm -hmm. is, uh, the, I think the Kings were up three, nothing. And he had mm -hmm. two goals and I was like, we're going to win the cup. <laughs> um, Kings lost that game like five, three, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like doesn't matter. Doesn't felt matter. Good. Felt good in the moment. Yeah. Jeremy Ronick episode. There, there it is. Damn there it is. is. We made it. All right. So until next time, uh, like, subscribe. We're up to 950. I was I, I didn't think we'd make it this far in terms of followers, but we're up to 950. So thank you guys for, for all that interaction and thank you for listening. Um yeah, we're hoping hoping to keep this going, keep a nice steady streak going, and hopefully we'll have a nice deep playoff run so that we can keep recording. Let's get to a thousand. It's possible. Anything can happen. Kevin Garnett. <laughs> go Kings, go. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an LA Kings podcast.